This is the Men's Muster Podcast, Episode 6. Welcome to the Men's Muster. My name is Alex Rodriguez. I'm the host and the founder of the Men's Muster, which is a ministry focused on seeing men discipled and deployed for Christ and His kingdom. Uh, Today, we're going to be continuing our series on godly manhood, and we're going to be looking at an excerpt from a book titled Domestical Duties by the Puritan William Gooch. The excerpt itself is titled Husbands Love Your Wives. It's a pretty lengthy excerpt, so it's going to take the next two episodes, maybe three, but it's definitely going to be worth it because of the insight that William Googe is able to offer us is what it means to be a husband uh, that honors the Lord and loves your wife well. Um, I want to give a little background on William Googe and then jump in, but before we do, let me start by just offering a scripture reading to kind of get our hearts centered and focused on what we're going to be looking at today. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 33. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. So with that passage fresh in our minds, let me give you a little bit bit of background on William Googe, uh, because he's one of those characters that's really worth noting. Um, He was born in 1575 in Stratford-Lebo, Middlesex, and he lived for 78 years, meaning he died in 1653. And he was a minister of the gospel for 46 years. And it was said that under his expository preaching, thousands upon thousands came to faith and were truly converted, which is an amazing thing. An interesting little fact that I came across was he preached for 30 years on the book of Hebrews. Which is crazy because people today lose their mind if their pastor spends one year on the book of the Bible. You know, we want to work through things. We want to get on to the next. But he spent 30 years preaching Hebrews. Um, I'm not saying we should spend 30 years in Hebrews, but I do think there is something to be said about being able to sit in one book of the Bible and just try to go deep into it and extract all that glorious truth. 
Also in the show notes, make sure you check a link that I'm going to put there for a three-volume uh, series by William Gooch called Building a Godly Home. It's wonderful. It's a, a blessing whether you don't have a family yet, whether you just have a new family, you're in the middle of it, you're empty nester, wherever you're at, just consider checking out those three volumes because they're absolutely rich with amazing biblical insight. All right, so with that, let's jump into our first point here. And I'll probably have to restate things a couple times. Um, Gooch sometimes words things a little oddly. I'll do my best to bring clarification. But the first point he has here is titled, Of That Love That Husbands Owe Their Wives. So right out the gates, William Gooch wants to let his readers know that men have a responsibility to, as he puts it, be a guide and good example to his wife. And so this was really central to everything William Gooch lays forth in this excerpt. That is, men, we kind of set the tone, the direction, and the example of it all. And primarily because of the office we hold as husbands. Um, and so he references 1 Peter chapter 3 on that one, verse 7. And if you go to 1 Peter 3, verse 7, it reads as follows. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she's a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, that your prayers will not be hindered. And so for, for Gooch here, what he really wants to lay forth to that passage from 1 Peter is that we have a responsibility, right, to live with our wife in a certain manner, an understanding manner. And we'll unpack the weaker thing uh, a little bit later. But also to recognize that she is a fellow heir, that she has the same worth and dignity before God, and she is the same recipient of the saving grace of Christ. And so don't diminish that. Um, but even within that, there are roles and offices. And so us as men, we need to understand that we've put, put in the position of authority, of responsibility and leadership. And so with that, we need to make sure we carry ourselves in such a way that our prayers not be hindered because we, we are living in an understanding manner with our wives. Now, when we started, I did the scripture reading out of Ephesians 5, and William Googe also picks up on this. And so he picks up on this and he says that love is the head or the roots from which all our duties as husbands flow. Um, one more time, I'll say that love is the root from which all our duties as a husband flow. Now, in Ephesians 5 that I read, if you were to look at verse 25, 28, and 33, what you would see is that there is four references to husbands loving their wives. Four of them. So here, I'll read them. Verse 25 says, husbands love your wives. Verse 28 says, so husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. And then if you look at verse 33, nevertheless, each individual among you is also to love his own wife. Love is the tent which everything else is going to fall under. 
Or, to use the imagery of, of, of root and branches, William Gouge says this, All the branches that grow out of this root of love. And so even here, I think it's important for us to take a moment and do some self-reflection. And we need to ask ourselves, as we relate to our wives, do we relate to them in a manner that shows that it is flowing from the root of love? Are the words we say, the things we do towards our wives, is it flowing from a place of love or a place of duty? I think it's important that it flows from love because that's the animating force for us. Now, Gooch says that out of this root of love, there's two main branches that come out for the husband. The first branch is that a husband should be wise in maintaining his authority. And the second one is that a, uh, a husband should be right in managing his authority. So we're going to look at these two branches here. But right before he begins to give explanation, he gives a very important quote. And this quote is in regards to the authority aspect. Gouge writes the following. If that a husband relinquishes his authority, he disableth himself from doing that good and showing those fruits of love, which otherwise he might. If he abuses his authority, he turneth the edge and point of his sword amiss. Instead of holding it over his wife for her protection, he turneth into her heart, to her destruction, and so manifest thereby more hatred than love. This is important because what Guj really wants out the gates for us to recognize is that our authority is an authority carried out in love. Because an authority not carried out in love does not protect our wives, but destroys our wives. It doesn't foster love, but it fosters hatred and contempt. And so this is something Guge wanted his readers to know before he goes any further in, in unpacking any of this. That authority we've been given by God, we must steward well and not use it in an abusive and overbearing manner. I know far too many men that the authority, their role as the authority of their home gets to their head and they end up just, just being hurtful. So just wanted to get that out there. His first sub point then is this, of husbands wisely maintaining their authority. And he has that first Peter three verse that we talked about, about the living with your wife in an understanding way. He puts that at the front of it. And what he wants us to recognize is that you and I as men have been uniquely placed by God in a position of great honor and great privilege. I don't know if you think about that, but as a husband, your position is one of honor and privilege. And so how we maintain that, that position of authority that we've been giving matters. We don't want to steward it poorly. We don't want to be abusive. Or to, to say like a Puritan, what William Gooch says, we should carry ourselves not as sots and fools without understanding. And that word stats means just sots means just a stupid person. What's really important for us to get here is this. We should lean in 
on this position that God has given us to be husbands. We, we, we can't be fools, right? We can't squander this opportunity. We need to lean in and we need to be understanding how and what God expects of us and carrying it out faithfully, right? Our position of authority isn't for our personal gain, but to display Christ beautifully. We reflect God, or we ought to reflect God, as we discharge our authority as husbands, as we, as we do what we do, right? We exercise authority in this God-honoring fashion, and the people over, well, below us, the people that we are authorities over, should look to us and see something of Christ in us. Gouge writes this again. The honor and authority of God and of his son, Christ Jesus, is maintained in and by the honor and authority of a husband. That's heavy. I don't know if you, you picked up on the heaviness there. Right? The question isn't whether you and I have authority as husbands. The question is, are our wives flourishing under our authority? Is Christ being honored under our authority? Or is she withering away? It's important to realize this. We are reflecting God as we conduct ourselves as husbands. And so we need to take that very seriously. It's not something to, to play with. Gujo's on to say, the wife, the wife and the whole family would feel the damage of the husband's loss of his authority. When a husband doesn't lean in to his authority in the way that God has designed, everybody suffers. And I, I mean, it's, this is getting hard because, you know, as men, we I think we see more and more society is saying that men who try to exercise true godly authority have fallen into the arena of toxic masculinity, that you're a danger to society, that you're going to destroy the people you care about. And I just want to encourage each of you, you need to know that as you embrace and as you pursue to faithfully execute your God-given authority as a husband, you're going to be engaging in a counter-cultural endeavor. People are going to get mad with you. People are going to say things. But hold the line. Keep marching forward because that is God's design. God has designed the home to be in the authority of the, of the husband and the father, and that when that man does that faithfully, the home flourishes, it prospers. The issue is not toxic masculinity. The issue is not enough men are truly taking up the mantle of their responsibility and authority in doing what is right before God. When we do that, we're going to see shifts happen like you've never imagined in society. Gujen gives us a question to consider with all this. The question is, how may a husband best maintain his authority? How do we continue to have our authority? The answer, I think, is found in 1 Timothy chapter 4. So in 1 Timothy 4, you go to chapter uh, verse 12, you read this. Go to verse 12. Second part, 
but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. So how does a man maintain his authority in the home? How does he maintain his authority in the proper ways by, uh, uh, alongside his wife? When we carry ourselves with love, faith, purity, and honesty, that's how. Those are the things that should mark us. Right? We should be so marked by love, faith, purity, and honesty that we are worthy of imitation. When you and I, men, live to, uh, to live, aim to live in a manner that is consistent with what we just read in 1 Timothy 4.12, with love, faith, purity, and honesty, beautiful things happen. Amazing things happen. William Gooch says this, The fruits of these and other like graces showed forth by husbands before their wives and family cannot but work a reverent and dutiful respect in their wives and the whole house towards them. For by this means they shall more clearly discern the image of God shining forth in their faces. See, what Gooch is saying here is men maintain their authority by embodying and living out love, faith, purity, and honesty. But when you do that, when you really live it out, your wife and all those under your household are not going to be able to do anything but notice. They're going to see this in you. They're going to know you're the real deal. And it is going to create a reverent respect in them for you and for God. And the more we live that out, the more they're going to see the image of God, the glory of God, the goodness of God shining forth from you. I mean, I say this all the time, but I mean it. The greatest gift, therefore, that you and I can give our wife, our wives, and our children is our personal godliness. Right? Carrying ourselves with love, faith, purity, and honesty is just that godliness. Now, we need to be careful here, too, because there's a flip side. Right? We can, you and I, can, we can preach and we can teach the word of God faithfully in our homes. We can make sure that our wife is doctrinally sound. But if we preach and teach a sound doctrine, if we preach sound doctrine, but then by our actions, our lives are marked by all sorts of profaneness and drunkenness and anger and, and greed and malice, then you and I, we make ourselves unworthy of respect, unworthy of imitation. And we end up dragging the name of Jesus through the mud. Right? It's not just what you and I preach, but what we promote. Do the actions of our lives authenticate the message from our lips? If we're going to step forward in authority and say, hey, I'm leading this home, we tell our wives, hey, I'm here to lead you, then we really better make sure that there is not a lifestyle of hypocrisy within this. Gouge goes on and says, not only by example, but he says another manner that you and I lose our authority or give it up is by what he titles violence and tyranny. In other words, what he's saying here by violence and tyranny is that 
We don't maintain our authority by governing in fear, by governing with fear and force. We're not trying to scare people and bully them in any way. Gooch says, Force may indeed cause fear, but a slavish fear, such a fear as breedeth more hatred than love, more inward contempt than outward respect. Man, again, we can't stress enough the way we exercise the authority in our home and honor God is by everything we think, say, and do being wrapped in the love of God. We need to conduct ourselves in God's love. He makes a second subpoint. He says, of husbands rightly managing their authority through a high account of their wives. Now, here's a good leadership principle. It's not just about maintaining something, but managing something as well. Right? The way you and I will be able to maintain our authority is by also making sure our authority is well managed in our homes. And we do this in two ways that Guj lays out. The two ways that we manage well the authority entrusted to us is by tenderly respecting our wives and providently caring for our wives. Now, it's controversial when we think about our, about the church today. One of the most controversial issues is, is roles, right? Egalitarian, complementarianism, all this stuff. But the Pearsons said that the woman in a marriage was put in a position of inferiority. Now, I don't want you to get upset when you hear that because you need to understand how they meant it, right? They're not saying that a woman is inferior in worth, in value, in dignity, in ability, in purpose, none of that. What the Puritans were saying is that a wife should be in a position of submission in her home. A wife is submissive to the leading and authority of her husband. Now, again, that's something that today people just are so beside themselves about. But it is the teaching of the Bible. It is how God has structured marriage and his roles. As a husband, you are the leader of your home. Your wife does not wear the pants in the home. Now, again, we don't lead by force and instilling fear. We lead in, in this love, in faith, in purity, in honesty, these things we talked about, but you're still leading. You know, that's why it says that as the husband, you're like the Christ-like figure in your home and your wife's like the church. Christ led the church. But he also led by serving, but he led. And the church responded in faith and following. That's what should be happening in the home. Now, in order to, you know, to, to make sure we understand this, even though your wife is supposed to be in submission to you, that doesn't mean that your wife is your servant, that she's somehow your slave. And Guge is very clear about this. He wants us to guard our hearts against this. He writes, did God at first take the wife out of the man's side that man should tread her under his feet? Sadly, far too many men 
view their wives as doormats. Now, they wouldn't say that. They have all the right answers that they would say at church on Sunday. But in all practical senses, you, they treat her like a doormat. And yet there's few, you know, I have two beautiful daughters at home. There's few things that upset me more than seeing a man treat a daughter of God like his personal servant. I don't, I don't care that you can say all the right things with your mouth if the way you're treating her does not reflect the fact that she's precious of equal value before God, that she too is filled with the Spirit. If your life's not matching that profession, you're a hypocrite. You know, I know guys, I know guys personally that they have this idea that a woman is only to speak when spoken to. She's only to bear children, that she should have sex with you whenever you want, right? That she should not display any ambition in life, but she just needs to make sure there's food on the table and maintains the home. And they just beat their wives down this way. They view them as servants. As a husband, it is not right. It's just not right to treat your wife that way. She is a daughter of the king. She is your helpmate. And so we must treat her with with dignity, respect, not as servants. You know, Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came and he deserved all service being rendered to him, and yet his ministry is one to serve others. As husbands, that is ours as well. We are not here as men to be served, but to serve. That's the way of Christ. That the higher station we have of authority and responsibility isn't so that we can be more privileged, but it's so that we can lean in and serve more, as Christ did. One of the ways we do this, Gooch says, is by making sure we shower our wives with godly affection. He says, A husband's affection to his wife must be answerable to his opinion of her. He ought to therefore delight in his wife entirely, that is. So to delight in her as holy and only delighting in her. Now here's a question, right? We're husbands. We're trying to maintain the authority and governance of our home. We recognize God's put us in this position. We're trying to do it all for the glory of God. But do you delight in your wife? Really think about this. Because you can say you love your wife, but it doesn't mean you're delighting in her. Those are two different things. You can think back to the book of Genesis, right? In, in Isaac, his mother dies and he's heartbroken. He's grieving. And yet, his wife comes along. And he delights in her. If you look at Genesis chapter 24 and you go down to verse 67, you actually read this. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah and she became his wife and he loved her. 
Thus, Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Isaac was comforted by his wife because he delighted in his wife. You and I need to be delighting in the woman that God has given us. The book of Proverbs has a lot to say about here. If you go to Proverbs chapter 5, verses 18 and 19 say, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. As a loving hind and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. Delight in her. Enjoy your wife. She is a gift given to you by God. Prize your wife. Don't treat her as a servant. Don't treat her as one of your children. She's your wife. She's your queen. Treat her as such. God was abundantly gracious to put her into your life and entrust her into your care. And so we need to make sure that as husbands, we are caring, delighting in our wives. This is how we love our wife. We don't operate by force and fear because we're not tyrants. We operate with service toward them because we follow the model of Christ. We ask ourselves, hard questions, consistently are we loving well, and we keep moving forward. We recognize we must manage well. And we always need to remember, none of us deserved a wife. The fact that we have a woman who married us is a gift of God that is not to be taken lightly. There's a pretty long quote here by, by uh, Gouge, but I want to share it. Contrary is an ungrateful, if not envious, disposition of such husbands, as passing by many good things ordinarily and usually every day done by their wives without any approval, commendation, or reward, are ready to dispraise the least slip of neglect in them. They do this in such general terms as if they never did anything well, so as to their wives may well complain and say, like it says in the old proverb, Oft did I well, and that I hear never. Oft did I ill, and that I hear ever. What he's getting at there is that so many men are quick to point out where their wives are falling short, where their wives aren't meeting expectations. But the day-to-day things that your wife does to care for your home, to care for you, they go unnoticed because we don't communicate them. As husbands, you and I should be the type of men that have praise, encouragement, and gratitude springing from our lips to our wives. We need to be the kind of men that seek to encourage, not critique. And when issues do come up that need to be addressed, because they will be, we come alongside our wife and we call her up to something greater. We don't call her out as a failure. If you go to Proverbs chapter 12, we see this again. Proverbs 12 verse 18 reads, 
I'm sorry, Proverbs. I pulled up wrong wrong one in my Bible here. Proverbs 12, verse 18. I pulled up Proverbs 18. Proverbs 12, verse 18 says, There is one who speaks rashly, like the thrusts of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I love that. Let me say it one more time. There is one who speaks rashly like the thrusts of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I want you to take a moment. Think about how you speak to your wife. Is your role in her life as an authority over her one that brings healing? Or do you communicate in such a way it's like someone's just jabbing a sword down her gut and gutting her? Words matter. Proverbs 18, verse 4 says, The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. We need to be men who speak life-giving words, healing words, words of wisdom. That's what we need to be focused on. I want us to make sure we love our wives well. I want to make sure I love my wife well. But in order to do that, I need to understand a couple things, right? Just to review here. I need to know that as a man in my home, I hold a position of authority, responsibility, and leadership. That comes to me by the creation of God. I need to understand that it's easy to lose sight of the fact that love needs to be the root of everything I do. And then I need to understand that that authority I have is an authority to serve my wife, not to treat her as a doormat, as a fool and not prizing her. And then I need to delight in my wife. And I need to I need to communicate that she needs to know that I delight in her. And then I need to make sure that the words I speak are words of encouragement. It's so easy for us to just speak with sword thrust after sword thrust to the women we love. But if we're going to put in a position of leadership, then leaders bring the best out of people. Let us be men of God who by the authority entrusted to us by Him come alongside our wives in such a manner that they radiate the goodness and glory of God. Let's lean into that. All right, guys, that's all I got. Until next time, God bless. Peace.